Thank you, Phoebe, for those prayers. And good morning, church. It's good to be with you all today. It's hard to believe it's Advent. Anybody surprised Advent is here? All right, Peter, I was too. (laughs) Even though I was planning for Advent for a while now, it is here. And as I was thinking about Advent, I was thinking about all of the challenges that went from the time of the prophecy that we're going to look at today from Isaiah to the time of Jesus actually being born. There were so many things that could have went wrong, so many challenges. And I was thinking of these last two years in Hong Kong and around the world with COVID and how it has made things go sideways for a lot of us and brought really a whole change to the world and thinking, you know what? God has not stopped working. Jesus' birth was unstoppable. God's plan is unstoppable. But there's this waiting that we find ourselves in often in life. And so we are going to look at that today. We're going to look at Isaiah, and it'll be on the screen here, and it will also be um, in your, on your bulletin there. So let's look at Isaiah. Before we jump into that passage, just a little bit of context. So Isaiah is writing to the people of God during a challenging time for them. Things are not great, and he lets them know in this book that things are actually going to get worse. They're not going to get better for a while, but then there will be a new chapter. God's story isn't finished. And Isaiah tells them about this new chapter. Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. This incredible prophecy for a baby that will be Emmanuel, God with us. When all hope seems lost, he tells the people, there will be a new person on the scene, this Emmanuel, this God, this human in flesh. And he goes on to describe this child in 9, 6 to 7, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, God. And I pray that today as we worship you, as we come to this text, God, pray that your spirit would help us to understand it, to dig into it, to to be transformative in our lives. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So we get this wonderful description of this child, the wonderful counselor, this wonderful, this magnificent, this this counselor that can do miraculous things, who gives good advice, who gives wisdom, who comes alongside. This child will also be mighty God. There's something unique about this child versus other children that will be born. We get this one Hebrew word for everlasting father that could also be translated as father is eternal. There's this connection um, that we hear about in the Godhead, in this name. And then finally, this prince of shalom. 
that things will be as they ought to be, that there will be flourishing in the kingdom, there will be true peace in the kingdom, not just an absence of conflict, but true enduring peace. Isaiah goes on to say this government or kingdom, our last series was on kingdom now, and we get these descriptors of the kingdom all the way back in Isaiah, that it will be expansive, it will be peaceful, it'll be enduring, it will be everlasting, and that it will come from David's line. We're going to talk about that part next week. And it's going to be known for justice and righteousness, how things ought to be in this world, and God himself will establish it. See, this is a message of hope to the people when things were dark for them. This message that this Messiah will come out of David's line in spite of all the terrible things that have happened, in spite of the bad king that they have in the present, despite things getting even worse than they are now, God will still break through. But there's waiting. There's waiting to be had. Does anybody like waiting rooms? No. If, if you do, this sermon is not for you. Just kick back. You can go on your phone. No, I hate waiting rooms because you're there in preparation of getting someplace else. The waiting room isn't the destination, right? If you're in a crowded waiting room like this, you probably especially want to get out of it. Your question in the waiting room was, how long do I have to wait? How long? Have they forgotten about me? That's the worst is when you're there and you think you've been passed over. Somebody who got there after you gets called before you. Did they forget me? Do I need to go up and remind them? It's time for my turn to get out of this waiting room. They can be frustrating experiences. Well, the people of God from the time of this prophecy by Isaiah had to wait 700 years for the Messiah. 700 years. We get a 400 wait between the last of the prophets and the arrival of Jesus. Nothing. Silence in these 400 years. This waiting where had God gone? Where was he? Where was this Messiah? Have things gone sideways? Has, has God not going to fulfill this plan? How will he work? Things that I've waited for, healing for myself or for loved ones, salvation for family members, a fulfilling job, relational healing, when I was in high school, my senior year, I felt this call to ministry, and it was kind of confirmed by those around me. And that was a big change from the direction that I was headed. I was actually headed down a path of becoming what I had hoped would be a secret agent. You can laugh. You might not picture me at that. I was in the final stage of a scholarship from the CIA, and I had to withdraw from that process. Or did I? <laughs> no, I did. And, um, and I went to college with this idea of being called into ministry, and my thought of that was to be called into youth ministry. See, I'd been deeply impacted by my youth pastor while I was in high school. And I thought, this is what God is calling me to, and that's what I'm shooting for, that's what I'm aiming for. And I went to college with that in mind. I would do internships in the summer, and lo and behold, I graduate and I start applying, and door closed, door closed, door closed. I was like, God, like, what, what is going on here? Did I hear you wrong all those years ago? Have I missed it? Do you have something else in mind? And it was frustrating. 
And all these questions started popping up for me. And I would also, I would try to live content, be content in all circumstances. I'm like, how can I be content when I'm, I'm not able to get the thing that I'm wanting? And I was flooded with questions. God, where are you in this? How do I walk this journey? I've talked to people in the last couple of weeks. They've been in the waiting room for a spouse, for a partner, for a child, for healing, to be accepted into university, to have a promotion. Sometimes our hope in the waiting room is hanging by a thread. Things seem dark. Things seem like, how will this get resolved? It's challenging to hold on to this promise, this hope. You know, waiting, being in the waiting room is an acknowledgement that you're, you're not in control, right? You can't get yourself out of that place. COVID was a huge reminder to the world that we have so little control of our lives. When we're in the waiting room, we ask God, did I get it wrong? Should I look for a new career? Should I start fertility treatment? Should I break it off with my partner? Should I start this new relationship? Should I move to a different city or a different country? Has God forgotten me? Has he overlooked me? Is he paying attention to others more than me? They seem to be getting out of the waiting room faster than I am. If you have those questions, you're not alone. You're not alone in our community. You're not alone in Scripture. During this series, um, I've asked people on our council to share their own stories. This first week, we have Harry, who's on council, and his wife, Didi, who are sharing about their journey of waiting and how do they hold on to hope in their waiting. Let's see that now. Good morning, my name is Harry and this is my wife Didi and today we want to share with you a little bit about the struggle we've had um, in waiting for a prophecy to be fulfilled. For the past five years we've been uh, trying to start a family and we had people prophesy over us and share visions of a future family but we are still in the process of waiting. And, you know, as Christians, we're always supposed to be remain hopeful and trust God. Um, but what if God has different plans on timing? What if um, he maybe wants to give us something else than what, hope, than what we're hoping for? Or um, that he wants us to learn something during his waiting process? Um, so today, we want to share about some of the challenges, but also some of the blessings that we gained during this process. One of the biggest challenges was trying you know, to not force the vision and prophecy into fruition and into real life by my own efforts. And another thing that's been going through my mind recently is as we wait and wait, um, you know, I'm thinking, what if, what if the waiting itself is the gift? Um, in Tish Warren Harrison's book, The Liturgy of the Ordinary, uh, one of her friends, does a painting that is quite haunting and inviting at the same time. And she said that she wanted the viewer to not be able to glimpse quite what was on the other side and to be suspended in a posture of expectation and uncertainty. And she said, I always felt like I was waiting for the gift, but I've come to see that the waiting is the gift. And the author writes that God is at work in us and through us as we wait. Our waiting is active and purposeful. 
As dirt sits for things waiting to be planted and grown, there's work being done invisibly and silently. Microorganisms are breeding, moving, and eating. Wind and sun and fungi and insects are dancing a delicate dance that leavens the soil, making it richer and better, readying it for planting. And this really encouraged me um, because I, I feel like one of the biggest blessings I've encountered um, has actually come to me through this process of waiting. And I'll share with you that in a little bit. So this process of waiting for us to start a family has been very challenging, but also we've gained several blessings. So I just want to share a few. Um, so on a challenging side, we of course had our ups and downs. And um, sometimes we process things at the same time and sometimes differently. And I remember one time we had some bad news and it hit me really hard. Um, I really had to take some time off from work. I uh, went to Chengchou to Bethany and really needed some time by myself and also spend time with God to really process. Um, this particular news, um, yeah, it raised a lot of questions and even the question like, what if we will never have any kids? Um, and also it, I started to doubt decisions in the past because there's so many decisions you, you've made so far and it really, um, I really needed some time um, apart. And um, so, yeah, we've basically processed things differently sometimes, but also together. On the blessing side, actually, we've also gained a lot of blessings. Um, for example, our marriage got stronger. I feel very blessed that we've been able to process things together um, and actually we've really strengthened our marriage and our faith as well. Um, these challenges, they really force you to really go deep and seek God and really go into His Word and spend time with Him and in, in ways that you otherwise would never do. And that really has strengthened yeah, both of our faith. And lastly, we took in a foster child for seven months. And um, she came with her own challenges and blessings and Didi will share a bit more about that. Yeah, so um, in last week's sermon, Pastor Wade touched upon God's role in our transformation. And he said that the foundation is the most important, uh, but the most unseen. And that what's under the surface will soon come out. And that was my experience with uh, taking in our foster child. And even though I had prepared myself to uh, be a good mother and a good educator, a good nurturer in so many ways. Nothing prepared me for for this little girl coming into our lives. And, you know, in retrospect, see that God wasn't interested uh, in my outer performance and he was more interested in pursuing my heart. Her tantrums triggered me on a daily basis and brought me to a place of desperation. And in an interesting turn of events for me, uh, this led me to seek therapy to address my own childhood trauma. And I now know myself so much better. And I know that God um, loves us too much to really leave us uh, where we were. Um, and, and he really pursues our, our inner healing, inner transformation and our, our hearts. I believe God is going to take us to great places um, and great heights. And, you know, just this gift of healing for me takes me through my life, through um, all the challenges more authentically and fully. And we're, we're really sure that God has a plan for us that, you know, whatever it will look like, it's going to be better than what we can imagine ourselves. Thank you, Harry and Didi, for sharing um, authentically and from the heart about where you're at in this process. And we 
are not alone, church. Often on Sundays, you know, we don't know people's stories, but I know that so many of you are in the waiting room right now, and so it takes courage to share that way. So thank you, Harry. Thank you, Didi, for doing that. So if you're in the waiting room, you're in good company, not just for those here, but also in Scripture. We see Joseph was in the waiting room. He had these dreams and these visions that God had given him. And what does he end up? He ends up being sold off. He ends up being imprisoned. We see Moses in the waiting room of the desert for 40 years. We see the people themselves enslaved for 400 years. We see Isaac working for 14 years before he can marry Rachel. We see Jesus himself having a life of 30 years before his ministry started. You know, when, when our hopes are matched up with reality, enjoy it. Enjoy those moments where everything we're hoping for is actually happening. Soak it in. Enjoy that, that maybe it's just a moment, right? Maybe it's a year. Maybe it's longer. But enjoy those times when our hopes are not met with reality. That's when we're in the waiting room. We can be confused. We can struggle. We can often think, you know what, if, we can just, if I can just get that, Whatever that is for you, then everything will be okay. If I can get that, then I'll be able to move on. We can begin to put our hope in the thing that we're waiting for becomes the object and the subject of our hope. If I can get that, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be fulfilled. But we may never get what fills in that blank. Or we may get it, and it doesn't turn out like we thought it would. We may get that promotion, but it leads to more stress or more travel, and it keeps us longer away from family. We may get that new relationship, but maybe that new relationship brings more problems than you had before. You may be in the new city, but it hasn't turned out the way that you thought it would. So how do we hold on to hope in the midst of the waiting and not let the thing we're hoping for be the object of our hope? See, the temptation in the waiting is to drop out of the story, to begin to see God is not involved, to begin to think this is the end. So how do we hold on to hope? One is to remember that God is up to something. God has not forgotten you. God's plan is not on hold. We can take a look at Israel in that 400 year of silence, what God was doing behind the scenes in order to prepare the world for the Messiah. He was preparing Israel itself for this eternal king and kingdom. The temples were knocked down, right? Their place of sacrifice was was no longer there. They began to have synagogues, right, over the whole Mediterranean um, area. And these became places of worship. These became places where ministry could happen, where the apostles would travel to, to speak. Old Testament scripture came together in this 400-year time. We see that their theology was purified. There were no more foreign gods, and the Jews that had been spread out 
um, began to set the stage for the Great Commission. See, Israel's desire was to turn down to, to, to return to the best time they thought they had, and that was with King David. If we can just get back to the time like King David, then our hopes will be exactly what we want. They couldn't conceive of what God was wanting to do. God didn't just want to transform Israel. He wanted to transform the world. They couldn't conceive of this wasn't just for the Jews, but this was also for the Gentiles. This was an inclusive kingdom that God wants to be about. It took time for that to happen. So those weren't silent years, really. God was at work. He had not forgotten them. It wasn't their timing, but it was God's timing. It was the right timing. In the waiting, we might reflect on what God might be doing in this. Is there any purpose in this waiting Sometimes God allows us to see what the purpose of the waiting is, and sometimes we don't know. In my waiting for that ideal youth ministry position, God was growing my heart for the whole church, not just youth. He was growing my character. He was helping me to heal from some of my own childhood trauma. He gave me experiences with diverse, different churches, both theologically and um, Differences in ideas, differences in makeup and sizes of churches. He began to nurture and to improve where my heart was so I could serve, actually, so I could come here, right? See, I could look back and say, if I got maybe that ideal position in my mind to be the type of youth pastor that I had had, maybe that would have been enough for me. I would have held on too tightly for it. I would have possessed it instead of pressing into God and and desiring what he had for me. See, when we're waiting, it can feel like life is on hold, but God is still at work. If we can surrender our timing, if we can surrender our plan, he can step in and give us courage and strength to not be crushed. So we hold on to hope in the waiting. We remember that Jesus is in fact with us. Jesus hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. Later in Isaiah, Isaiah encourages the people with who God is and his character. He says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord... Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The Lord will give you strength to take one more step. Don't think about next month, next year, five years down the road when you're in the waiting room. Think about what step can God help me walk and not be faint in? What step can I take Not on my own strength, but God's strength with me. See, Satan's lie in the waiting is that it will always be this way, that this is the last chapter. Things aren't going to change. You messed up. You're not going to get what you're hoping for. Satan loves to whisper those things to us, to turn our attention away from Christ and to focus on what we're not getting. 
But God reminds us that he can be trusted. His character can be trusted. He promises and he fulfills. We see how God came through for his people in Scripture. Joseph, the visions were there. Jesus' ministry did happen. The people did make it into the promised land. God is a faithful God, and he's one that we can put our trust in. God's plan is unstoppable, even when we don't see it. You are not forgotten. We remember this child, this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of peace, this prince of shalom is here, is alive, is active, is working in our lives. When we're discouraged, when we're losing hope, don't pull away, church. Press into God. Press into community. Share it with those that are around you. I think God would want to say to you, I see you in the waiting room. I haven't left you. You're not alone. I am still at work in you, in your life, and in this world. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are still at work, that your plan is unstoppable. God, but we know the waiting is difficult. It was difficult for your people. It was difficult in these stories that we read. God, we can look back on hindsight and see how things worked out, God. But we're, when we're in the middle of it, we don't always know how it's going to work out. We don't always know how it's going to be resolved, God. And so I pray, God, as we are in the waiting, that we would hold on to you, that you would give us courage, that we would not forget that you are present with us in it. In your name, Jesus. Amen.